All right, Brayden, what do you think about weighing yourself every day versus weighing yourself once a week? Let's break it down. When is it a good time to... So I'll come from my standpoint of weighing yourself once a week instead of weighing yourself every day. I would say the benefits to that as a coach would be if you followed your meal plan to a T seven days out of the week and your weight went from 180 to 181.2, that right away I would start asking questions. So I would ask, you know, when's the menstrual cycle? How much water did you have yesterday and the couple days before? What's the sleep been like? And I would dive in deeper to find out what those answers would be to see if there's something that might have led to that weight increase. So why would you, what does weighing yourself every day give you? So first of all, I'm coming from the male perspective. I understand that people in general have, can have emotional relationships with the scale. And I completely understand why somebody wouldn't want to weigh themselves every day and how people can have a negative relationship with the scale and how that can be discouraging. But I want to just sort of put that concept to the side for a separate discussion. And I would go as far to say that if you have a negative relationship with the scale, maybe what you need is some counseling. Maybe you need professional help in getting to the root of why that would be. But for the sake of this conversation, I want to just look at this scientifically and from the perspective of seeing progress and improving your health. And yeah, so that's that. So so uh, let me I just think, touch uh, on one piece um, from the scale issue that uh, I actually heard about in a podcast I just listened to um, in regards to Dr. Wayne Dyer. Uh, Gal had came, come to him seeking counseling because she couldn't ride a bike. She was a grown woman, but her her excuse was that her mom never let her ride a bicycle um, so that she had this great fear of riding a bike. And Dr. Dyer was like, great, let's go downstairs. I got a bike downstairs. I'm going to teach you how to ride a bike. She says, no, I don't want to learn how to ride a bike. I want to learn why I can't ride a bike because of my fear around it. He's like, well, you haven't even tried to ride a bike, so let's get on the bike and see what happens. Uh, so I think that that does kind of attest to, like, don't look into it too much, right? There there might be some psychological trauma in relation to the scale at some point in your past, but let's just look on the scale and use it for a number for reference and then move forward with that. Like, kind of just, like, check our emotions and then, like, you got to get on it. That's not a good enough reason to avoid it entirely. Go. Yes. So... And I want to just put this out there right away. I think it's good to work in challenges sometimes. I want to challenge each and everybody out there to weigh themselves every day for a month, first thing in the morning, after going to the bathroom, and track those numbers and look at those numbers. Whether you're trying to lose weight or gain weight or stay the same, I think that would be a worthy endeavor, and it would sort of just give you an understanding of how somebody's weight might fluctuate over time. Uh, and I also just want to touch on the different factors that can affect your weight. Even if you're – so obviously weighing yourself first thing in the morning after going to the bathroom is going to be the most consistent. Mm -hmm. But even if you do that, you know, there's some factors like just – it's important to know that your glycogen stores 
which are carbohydrates stored in your muscle and your liver. For every gram of carbohydrates you store in your body, you store four grams of water. That is extremely significant. For a 150-pound person, that is going to be over five pounds. So if you are in a glycogen-depleted state from being on a relatively low-carb diet, doing moderate to high amounts of exercise, uh, so just anyway, long story short, if your glycogen stores are depleted, either fully or partially, your weight is going to fluctuate anywhere from five to 10 pounds, depending how much you weigh and how much muscle you have and a lot of different factors. On a whole separate thing, if you're just dehydrated because you're not drinking a more or less water, those, those numbers are going to fluctuate same again there. So let's say five pounds for muscle glycogen up or down. Five pounds just based off your hydration, just your water intake. So you can think of it as your carbohydrate intake mm-hmm. is going to fluctuate five pounds, could, could make a difference. Your water intake, same thing, maybe five pounds, maybe more, maybe less. And then your sodium intake can drastically affect it. For It's something like for every, you know, 200 milligrams of sodium, your body holds onto an extra quarter pound of weight or something like that so your water your carbs and your sodium are humongous factors that determine how much you weigh on a certain day and if you weigh yourself once a week and then that's not to mention menstrual cycles and bowel movements and inflammation from exercise you know those are all other factors that can drastically affect your weight i would be willing to say that and I know this from doing, manipulating my body, um, you know, for competitions, that you can drastically change your weight due to these different factors. So, uh, so question in regards to water. Uh, I see yeah. this sometimes in my clients. When does not drinking enough water make the scale go up? Is that a thing or is that probably something else is leading to the scale going up? Good question. So when you, if you don't drink enough water, your body will release aldosterone, which is telling your body to hold on to extra water. So our bodies are amazing homeostatic machines. They want to maintain the same. If you give yourself a lot of water, you're going to pee extra and you're going to have less. It's very counterintuitive. Yeah. If you drink too much water, your body will push out extra water and you'll have a healthy water balance. You don't drink enough water. Your body thinks that there is no water around. It's going to hang on to every bit of water you can. Hmm. Um, so if you don't drink enough water, your body definitely can and will retain more water. Is there any, uh, aside from the carbohydrate and water relation, you know, if your glycogen stores were depleted and then all of a sudden we filled up a ton, we had more carbs and then those carbs got filled up with water. Uh, is there a time when, and I've had this question asked, I wouldn't ask it if I hadn't had it asked from a real human, but is there a time when there's too much water or that would have an adverse effect? And what do you think that threshold would be? Um, I, I would say the, the only negative things about drinking too much water would be having to pee a lot. If you have a job where you have a meeting for an hour and you can't go to the bathroom very often, that could be a negative thing in your life. In that case, you want to just drink a lot of water, not around the time that you can't pee. 
Okay. So that because once you're once you're hydrated, it doesn't take a lot of water to stay hydrated. Right. You don't just need to blindly drink a lot of water. The color of your pee is the best way to determine your hydration. Your pee should be lightly colored. It shouldn't. If, if it's completely clear, I would argue that you're you're lacking electrolytes, and that you maybe are drinking more water than what's necessary. Better than having too little water. Um, but if your pee is dark, which I guarantee majority of Americans pee is darker than what it should be and they walk around chronically dehydrated which leads to lack of energy and fuzzy lack of focus and all kinds of negative things um does so, the does the amount and, of oh yeah so and there's something called hyponutremia if you slam a gallon of water in under three minutes you could die your body will be diluted of electrolytes so don't slam a gallon of water in under five minutes, and you'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Does drinking more water have... What effect does that have on sodium? Is it... Yeah. Yes. The more water you drink, the more you're going to pee. When you pee, there's sodium in your pee, and you are going to dilute your electrolytes. So just as it's important to drink a lot of water, it's also important to get the right balance of electrolytes. You want to get specific, you know. Okay, well, when I hear electrolytes, my my general consumer brain says Gatorade. Where? What is a better source of electrolytes? So I'm feeding you questions, but the, yeah, the recommendation for potassium is 4,700 milligrams. That is a lot. Most people don't get half of that, and it's super important. Um, sodium recommendations are going to vary greatly on the individual and their exercise size levels and how salty of a sweater they are and all kinds of different variables. Um, I don't want to give specifics. I would say... Can we use my, me, for example? Can we use my age, height, weight, and athletic activity? I would suggest for you 47, and throughout your whole day, 4,700 milligrams of sodium and 4,700 milligrams of potassium, a one-to-one -one ratio. Okay. You and are an active person. You're, anyway. Yeah, so. just yeah, just for the people that can't see me or don't know who I am, I'm 5'8", 140, works out five days a week, does 40 minutes of steady state cardio a day, broken up in 10-minute walks. Uh, and, if, yeah. and if you're worried about your blood pressure and, and your sodium intake, you should be much more concerned about your sodium to potassium ratio. Right. I that think that's a huge the, thing. There's that's a no lot of research about. showing that. And generally speaking, if you eat the SAD diet, standard American diet, you probably do have too much sodium. And you probably do need to reduce your sodium. But more importantly, you need to increase your potassium. So generally speaking, you know, unless you're eating a freakishly clean diet... You know, freaking chicken and broccoli, boiled chicken breast, you know, like at the end of the day, I, I suggest lightly salting most of your meals with pink Himalayan sea salt and being very mindful. If you just, you know, add lightly salt your meals with pink Himalayan sea salt, which is what I think is the ideal source of sodium and be mindful to get your 4,700 milligrams of potassium, you're going to be fine. You don't need to have a super specific range. Just get some salt and get a lot of potassium, and you will be fine. What are your favorite sources of potassium? 
fruits and vegetables. Any fruit, any vegetable. Uh, salmon is super rich in potassium. Um, spinach is super rich in potassium. Potatoes are yes. the one of the richest sources of potassium, specifically the peels. Either sweet potatoes or red potatoes. Bananas are not as good as what people think. Yeah. They're not really that much better than any other fruit or vegetable. I, I like avocado. I, I believe that is fairly yes, high. Avocado, avocado is a huge one as well. Edamame uh, is I mean, also fairly high. I believe. And if you want to track, if you want to, yes it is. If you want to track your potassium, which I highly recommend, uh, Chronometer, the free app or at the website is the, is they track all of your micronutrients. So, um, or any other app that does track potassium, but I'm not sure, you know, if, if other apps are actually tracking that, but I know for sure chronometer does. And I highly suggest that app for tracking calories and tracking potassium. I agree. So, so back to the concept of actually, uh, of why you should, um, Weigh yourself every day. Weigh yourself. Actually, yeah. Can you take one more second? Yep. Um, so going back to, I'm just going to touch on a couple other factors that also influence your um, weight to go up or down um, for any given reason. So one that a lot of people don't think about is sunburn. So this is actually inflammation on the, the surface of your body. And so that can also make your body hold on to water because you're holding on to a lot of inflammation. Your body's pretty peeved off. And um, along with that, what Braden had mentioned too was inflammation due to exercise. So if you hit a really heavy leg day, then your body's going to be holding on to more of that water in your your or more of that inflammation. So your scale, the number on the scale is probably going to be higher uh, the day after you train legs really heavy. A because it's a bigger muscle. B because there's just more inflammation being held. Uh, the one I see the most common for us, uh, the reason for people's weight to go up despite um, you know new meal plan adherence is your menstrual cycle. Uh, I see a really common about a five pound flux. Um, during the week, um, during their cycle, and sometimes depends on the woman, uh, the week before. So that definitely uh, plays into account. But during that time, I usually try not to touch any macros or change any meal plan. I usually try to weather the storm, um, give it another week to let the body kind of self-regulate and just keep an eye on that weight as it's going on. Ball movements are huge too. So another thing too that I look at um, when people come to me and they've been following the plan to a T um, but their weight hasn't gone down is fiber. I take a look at what their fiber is doing, um, which is in reference to their bowel movements to see if that's happening regularly. Um, to see, you know, in the case that I've seen specifically is their fiber is less than 10 grams a day. So they're basically not eating any vegetables, um, no solid, insoluble fiber that's going to help to keep those bowel movements regular. So I will go and check and, you know, okay, let's set a fiber goal. I try to give my clients a lot of freedom when it comes to tracking their macros and picking foods that they want to eat. But if the, uh, you know, when weight stops moving, then we have to start looking at other factors. And fiber is definitely one of them. Brayden, what's your take on fiber in relation to weight moving around? I think that you should get most of your fiber from fruits and vegetables. Yeah, I think there's a sweet spot um, of fiber. That, I think there's a minimum and, a, you know, you I shouldn't think, overdo it. I think a big misconception 
about fiber is that, uh, God, I got to eat my Cheerios so I can get my fiber. Um, when, you know, you're just introducing processed carbohydrates into your diet, which may not be the ideal thing. Yeah, I definitely think getting it from, uh, I also, okay, so my thing against, like, get your fruits and veggies is people take that as an excuse to have an apple for breakfast, a banana for a snack, two cuties for lunch, a watermelon blueberry pineapple shake for a mid-afternoon snack, and now they've just added 300 extra carbs to their day that they wouldn't have had had someone not told them, hey, eat a bunch of fruit. I think that if like fruits and veggies should be done on a one-to-one basis, uh, that's just an easy rule of thumb, I think. That would be easy. But, Brayden, do you think differently? Do you think that fruit should take a priority or take a backseat to veggies? Or am I looking too into it, focusing on the wrong things? Uh, I am a huge advocate of fruit. I think it's safe to say that every... Uh, could I get, could I get you to repeat that? It kind of cut out. Yeah. So I think generally speaking, most people know and understand and agree that vegetables are good for you. And if you want to eat healthy, you should eat more vegetables. That's generally an accepted, um, truth. But when it comes to fruit, I feel a lot of people are afraid of getting, uh, you know, too much sugar and things like that. And I just think that um, people should not be afraid to eat fruit. I believe that everybody on any diet almost, I mean, I think a quarter cup of berries, everybody can make that fit into their macros at a minimum. Realistically, I think a good guideline as far as fruits and vegetables is, um, you know, I think most people can handle two servings of fruit a day. And pretty much what I suggest is two servings of fruit a day, two servings of leafy green vegetables a day. These are all minimums. And yeah. two servings of regular vegetables, broccoli, green beans, cauliflower, that type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that if people just focused on, obviously you want to fit these things into your macros and your meal plan or whatever your plan is. But uh, I think that honestly, one of the biggest reason for people's negative health situations is they're not getting enough micronutrients in their diet. And there's research looking at fruits and vegetable consumption and fruits. People who eat like three or more fruit a day, live longer and have less disease than people who eat three or more vegetables a day. At the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is fruit is more protective against disease than vegetables. And yeah. I believe that it's because of the pig, the pigments. Okay. The nutrition is found in the color. Yep. Vegetables do have a lot of different colors, but fruits are very right. diverse in their colors. Right. So definitely some take-home points are you want to eat the rainbow every day. You want to eat greens and whites and blues and oranges and reds. Yeah, I definitely think variety, right? Going on too much of an extreme is not good for anything either. His video just cut out, so he'll come back on when that ticks back on. 
Um, but look for a variety, right? Eat the rainbow. Look for diverse colors on your plate within your meal. One of my favorite ways to do that for breakfast is, you know, multicolored peppers and onions. Um, and then some, you know, broccoli or asparagus in with there too. So we're getting off started with the day with a, a colorful variety already. Um, it just makes it easier to hit that for the rest of the day. But going back to the main reason, Brayden, uh, why, what are some other reasons or uh, what's your biggest takeaway for why people should weigh themselves every day? Or why yeah, it would be and, beneficial? and so I am extremely passionate about the benefits of weighing yourself every day. The biggest thing, reason why I like it is it lets you know and understand that your body fluctuates in weight. And let's say if you weigh yourself once a day or once a week, if you weigh yourself on Wednesday, first thing in the morning after going to the bathroom, then next week you weigh yourself on Wednesday, first thing in the morning after going to the bathroom, and you're up a pound and you've been eating healthy and exercising, maybe tracking your calories, um, you may feel like you failed. You may want to stop doing what you're doing. You may feel like a failure, but maybe you just had an extra 500 milligrams of sodium. Maybe you hit your calories, but you had just a little bit more carbohydrates than fat that day, and that's okay to do. But if you had weighed yourself every day that week, you could look at your average weight loss or you would at least see that, hey, I hit 78 earlier this week and most of my weight trending, but, you know, was because of too much, you know, being holding extra or extra blood or your from a workout, um, I think, you know, really the best way to track your weight is taking your weekly average. There are apps will track it, um, but what I suggest is, you know, logging your weight. If you're tracking your calories every day, logging your weight into that app as well. And then, you know, Chronometer specifically tracks your, your weight over time along with your calories, which is really cool. You can see, hey, I've been eating twenty, you know, I've been eating twenty seven hundred calories the last four weeks, and and I see that, you know, even though I'm eating the same calories, my weight is going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, but it's trending down. You know, one of my clients I work with right now, you know, his the calories are kind of at that twenty seven hundred, and it's not exactly linear weight loss every day because of the carbohydrate fluctuations and different things, but he's adding which is what our plan is and he's extremely um, adherent with tracking his weight and his calories and um, it's and the pudding and the results are are there because of his consistency with tracking he's still allowed to you know to eat take out food and eat sushi and eat whatever he wants but he's working it into his calories you know what I have him doing is calories and hitting his protein, and I allow him the freedom to adjust his carbs and his fat as needed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it may cause his weight to go up and down, but we're looking at reasons why tracking your weight every day is it just it lets you understand how the human body works, and lets you realize that you know sometimes you do drop. And then out of nowhere, it'll drop two pounds. Your, your body sort of fights change, and it just helps you realize that, like, how 
your body works and responds to exercise and eating. And I think one of the keys to improving your health, whether you're trying to gain muscle or lose weight, is just understanding the human body. And I think, you know, once you understand, you know, that if you do a hard leg workout, expect your weight to be up the next day. It's no big deal that inflammation is going to go away. You know, um, and if you have a little bit more carbs one day, it's okay. Your weight may be up a little bit, but that's just a temporary thing. It's going to go back down. So, um, yeah, I agree. At the end of the day, go ahead. Uh, I think that one of the biggest reasons you should weigh yourself every day is because you should be the most invested in your personal health than anyone else. Even if you have a trainer or a nutritionist or a dietitian or whoever or a doctor, you should care the most. You should give a damn the most about your health and well-being than anyone else. And the, a great way to do that is seeing where your weight is at, how your body's reacting to different things you did the day before or two days before. Um, I do want to throw a question at you that I think is a really big misconception or a really big blanket statement to cover up reasons for weight gain. And my question would be: At what point does gaining muscle make the scale actually go up? And at what point, I just think I see a lot of people sit, blame the scale going up on them adding muscle. In what circumstances is that true? In what circumstances is that probably not true? Yes, I would say that when you're a beginner, and by beginner, I mean you're less than six months of working out consistently, or if you have not been consistent, you know, whether you're a beginner or if you haven't been working out for a while, like let's say you've never really worked out very much and ate healthy or work mostly strength training and working out. You, if you're a beginner, which means, or if you're newly getting back into exercise, you're kind of like a, you could think of it like you're a beginner as far as your body's concerned. Right. Um, that is a scenario where you can build muscle and lose fat at the same time. Um, but I think overall it's better to just, so know that if you just start working out or if you just start working out after a long time from not working out, that you can build muscle and lose fat at the same time, but it's not going to happen long-term and you should be mentally prepared for that not to happen. And I would rather just like have that be icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is they're trying to build muscle and lose fat at the same time. Mm -hmm. And yes, that can and will happen when you first start out. It's not going to last. And if you bank on that happening, you're going to be setting yourself up for failure. So what really the, one of the biggest concepts that I think people need to understand is um, pick one thing. You, do you want to lose fat? Or do you want to gain muscle? If you're trying to lose fat, accept the fact that you're going to lose a little bit of muscle. You want to minimize it by doing strength training and getting enough protein and not being in too big of a calorie deficit. Or if you're trying to gain muscle, accept the fact that you're going to gain a little bit of fat. You want to minimize that fat gain by doing cardio and not being in too big of a calorie excess and getting enough protein and doing strength training. But at the end of the day, you know, so many people come to me and they're like, like, what are your goals? And they're like, uh, I want to be more toned. 
or I, you know, they pretty much what they want is they want more muscle and less fat. And if you have more fat than what you want, I suggest losing fat first. Okay. So really what a concept that I think most people don't understand that is beneficial is if you want more muscle, if you want to be more tone, you need more muscle and less fat. The, the way to do that, unless you're super skinny to begin with, mm -hmm. if you're like most people and you have more fat than what you want and not as much muscle, you want to cut the fat away first and then build the fat and the muscle up and then cut the fat away. It's like down, up, and then back down to get to where you want to go. And nobody wants to hear that because it's, you know, a long-term process. And, you know, sometimes people just don't want to hear the truth. You know what I mean? It's like, if you want to, you can't make something out of nothing. You can't build muscle while you're not giving your body enough calories, except for in the rare instance that you're a beginner and your body is just going to respond to whatever you do. Um, what do you say to the people who want their weight to go down drastically in a 30 day period? Sorry, should have started sooner. Or uh, define define drastically. Give me um, some numbers. Okay. So Unless you want I want to lose. I can throw some numbers. I want to lose fifteen pounds in one month. I am one hundred and forty pounds. I'm. We're gonna pretend I'm at like nineteen percent body fat. So that's two pounds a week. So there's research out there saying that you don't want to lose more than 2% of your body weight a week. If you lose more than 2% of your body weight a week, you're putting yourself at significant risk to lose muscle and slow down your metabolism and regain that weight back. I think a good reasonable weight of weight loss, weight loss is between you know, 0.25% to 1% weight loss, you know, I think, you know, I think 2% is too aggressive. Yeah. And that's sort of the outer end of the spectrum. I think anything less than, you know, 0.25% of your body weight per week is, is maybe just too conservative. I think generally speaking, 1% of your body weight a week is, is, is maybe even a little bit aggressive. So if, if I'm looking, 150 pounds, or if I'm 140 be, pounds, that, it'd be 1.4 pounds, is, or is that math yes, not that, right? Yes, that's the most aggressive that I suggest. Okay. So, um, but according to the research, if you wanted to lose two pounds a week, you would be less than the 2% body weight loss, and you, if you're getting enough protein and not doing too much cardio, and you're getting... You know, you could make that work, but it's going to be really challenging. Right. Uh, and so basically you could say you should have started earlier. Me, if you came to me with that pounds. goal, I would say, hey, um, I can help you do that. I will minimize your muscle loss and minimize your risk of gaining this weight back. But know that the faster you lose the weight, the more likely you are to gain it back. I think that, to I, oversimplify I think really it, true. I think to oversimplify it, Losing 0.5% uh, of your body weight a week is, is a good rate of weight loss. It's a safe starting point. Sure, you can go up to 1% or even up to 2 if you want to be crazy or down to 0.25. Yep. So for a 150-pound person, uh, you know, 
just under a pound a week. Right. Is good. No, I you know, if you're a two hundred if you're a two hundred pound person, that's one pound a week. And those are averages. Right. When you first start a diet, it might be let's too, say too let's bad. say you weigh two hundred pounds and you wanna lose fifteen pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, then with that I would suggest, you know, losing a pound a week for fifteen weeks. Right. That first week you're probably you might lose three or four pounds. Right. Generally speaking, if I were to map out a four-month weight loss plan, I would expect three pounds, an average of three pounds the first month, two pounds the second month, and one pound the third month. Right. Those numbers are a little bit off, but generally but yeah, speaking, just tapering. The, leaner, the leaner you get, the harder it is to lose fat. Yeah. You know, a lot of that has to do with, you know, maybe you're, you start eating a lower-sodium diet, or you start reducing your carbohydrates, increase your activity and say your glycogen stores are relatively lower the big picture is when you first start exercising and eating healthy you're going to lose a bunch of weight right away but don't expect it to last but don't get discouraged when it slows down Uh, okay so i think that most people overestimate what they can do in one month and severely underestimate how much they can do in just one year in 12 months do you think that one year is enough time to create a drastic difference in someone's physique? It's a loaded question, but. Oof. So I always feel like if you're trying to make a drastic, lasting change in your life, I feel like a year and a half okay. is like a really good piece of time. Yeah. I mean, the reality is it's like, give me two months and I can make a 5% improvement in your body. And that might be significant. But give me a year okay. and a half, and I'm going to make you a new person. Right. You are not going to – you are going to go from overweight, low energy, low self-esteem to the fittest person in the room with the most confidence and, you know, the most influential person in the room with yeah. the highest quality of life. Right. You know, and, you know, really, even six months, you can make a pretty big change. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like – and it's you know, super as you get out of it, what you put into it. There's a ton of variables, but I would say that in general, I see a lot of clients that overestimate what they can do in the next three months and severely underestimate what can truly be accomplished in two years. I, ideally, yeah. you know, I said one year, I think would be ideal for people to like be able to really grab onto. I do think you're right. I think a year and a half is really better, but I think two years is night and freaking day. You can create Two different people. If someone is really looking at it consistently during that two years, I mean, I'm just speaking from my personal experience. I transformed my body completely in two years. Like, super different body type, different energy level, different whatever. And that's from my life not revolving around it, too. I think that's also a really big misconception is that your life has to, like, you have to become this fitness junkie all of a sudden and you have to stop everything yeah. you're doing in your life, I think there's a lot easier way to be able to integrate a healthy lifestyle into your lifestyle. As like, I think your lifestyle is going to have to change, but I don't think it has to be as painful as people assume it's going to be. Yes, yes. And so just kind of on a whole, you know, I guess separate topic, you know, I just want people to know that, like, I don't think that my way is the highway. You know, I definitely yeah. am a little bit opinionated and I have a different perspective, you know, um, but at the end of the day, all I want is for people to be happy and healthy. You know, I want people to be successful. I see a lot of people, you know, spinning their wheels. They're, you know, they're super they, they misguided the right thing and they're not, 
And so at the end of the day, like, I just want to help people. I, I, and I'm not even saying that I'm the best person for everybody or that my mm-hmm. advice is good for everybody. You know, if somebody, you know, I'm really big in, you know, either track your calories or follow a meal plan, mm-hmm. some kind of adherence to a diet. I'm a really big advocate of that. Mm-hmm. And weighing yourself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm really big in measuring things and tracking things, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I, You know, Camille tends to be more on the side of tracking your macros. I tend to be more on the side of, you know, following a meal plan. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I, I think both are good. It's just kind of personal preference. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be something in between, and there's a lot of different things. At the end of the day, um, you know, I want to share my knowledge and experience with people. I have a lot of knowledge and experience. And, you know, if somebody doesn't like what I'm saying, then I encourage them to just find somebody else to listen to. And I hope that they're successful. I hope everybody the best, honestly. But I do think that if people can, you know, listen to what I say, and honestly, here's what I suggest. Find somebody who you trust. And so first of all, whoever you're taking advice from, you should trust that person and that information. You know, you don't have any reason that you should trust me, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you should trust. I'm a trustworthy person. Um, <laughs> and I have a master's in nutrition. I'm a certified nutritionist. I was a personal trainer for over 10 years. I've helped a lot of people. You know, I, I have a, I've accomplished a lot physically. And I have a lot of knowledge and experience. And I, it's selfish to keep it to myself. And I want to share it with people. Um, but just th- like I don't want people to think that it's my way or the highway or that I know everything. I just have a philosophy that works for me and a lot of people. And if it works for you, awesome. If it doesn't, I wish you the best. You know what I mean? Right. I hope you find something that does work, right? Even if it's a slow, mindful, gradual change. That works for people too. But this is just one way that we know that works for a lot of people. And and my main philosophies are like eat real food. You know, do you want to eat minimally processed food? Avoiding sugar and flour, eating lots of fruits and vegetables and healthy proteins and healthy fats, you know, some of the basics. If I could describe what a healthy plan is in under a minute, I would say this. Do some kind of resistance training at least three times a week. Most people could benefit from a full body workout three times a week doing basic compound movements. Some kind of a push, like a push up, some kind of a row like doing rows with bands or TRX or dumbbell or whatever pull-ups mm-hmm. and some kind of a, do a push or pull in a leg three times a week. Mm-hmm. So you can do push-ups, rows and squats one day. You can do, you know, overhead press, pull-downs and lunges another day. But generally speaking, you want to do big, basic primal movements three times a week. The point of that is to keep your muscle or build muscle and it's good for bone density and a million other reasons. But, you know, you want to do strength training three times a week, whether that's body weight or with bands or, you know, with actual equipment. Um, you want to eat mostly real food, mostly single ingredient foods. You know, there's if you want to eat bread, the kind of bread that I suggest is Ezekiel bread. It's a flourless bread or any kind of flourless bread. Um, you know, if you want to eat. You know, and then obviously I kind of believe in like the 80-20 rule. Right. 80% of your diet should be high quality, single ingredient foods, highest quality possible. 
And then 20%, eat what you want. Eat like an asshole. Have your pizza. Have your ice cream. Have your that. But build it into your macros or make sure that you're staying on track with your weight loss goals. You know, I think you should either weigh, you know, weigh your food or weigh yourself right. or both. Yeah. Um, I think overall, and then, you know, I think a minimum of 90 minutes of cardio a week is good for heart and lung health. If you're looking to lose weight, 150 minutes a week minimum for weight loss is what research shows is beneficial. You know, I think half of that could be interval cardio and half of it could be steady state. You know, I am such an advocate of brisk walking for fat loss mm-hmm. for your cardio. It's easy on your joints. It's stress relieving. Grab your friend, go for a walk. Um, so some of my pillars to health and I mean, I would say overall, the number one thing that people can do to improve their health is lose weight. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're an ectomorph and a super skinny person that needs to build muscle and by lose weight, I mean, lose fat. But if the scale's going down, then you're losing fat. If you want to minimize your muscle loss, then get enough protein and do strength training. Uh, so just, you know, if, if everybody, if you want, you know, sort of a, a general big picture for health, I would say strength training, at least 30 minutes, three times a week. Cardio, you know, I, I would say, you know, 90 minutes a week to 150 a week for cardio, balance of low intensity and high intensity. You know, do some stretching for to avoid injury, you know, dynamic stretching before you work out. Um, eat at least two servings of fruit a day, at least two servings of leafy greens, at least two servings of regular vegetables. You know, half your vegetables can be raw, half of them can be cooked. Weigh yourself every day, either track your calories every day, or follow a meal plan. I would also include sleep and water uh, suggestions in that as well. You know, drink a lot of water. Get enough sleep. Seven to nine hours of sleep is good for most people. If you feel like you need 10, go ahead. If you feel like you get by off seven or six, I, I would say that you probably would be better off with seven. You know, I think if you just shoot for, you know, really the best way to do it is like, you know, assuming that you're not sleep deprived, go to bed, you know, at a decent time and see what time you wake up naturally. Do that a couple days in a row and take the average. That's probably how much sleep your body needs. You know, right. I find for myself about about eight eight hours is, is pretty good on average. If I'm working out super intense, maybe I need nine. But if I do ten or more, I feel groggy. Right. If I get less than seven consistently, I feel groggy. So, um, yeah. No, I think that's great. I do. I, I think that gives people a good look at general health and wellness, well-being, and living uh, with a little bit more, you know, a couple different strategies and a little bit more pieces of that picture. I think a lot of times people get too zoned in on one particular issue when I think it's really important to understand how they all kind of sit next to each other and what kind of, what that big picture looks like and how they work. But at the end of the day, I hope that everyone is really the biggest advocate for their their own personal health and starts to take a genuine interest in kind of what's going on. I think that's the best way to improve different aspects is just be curious, treat your body like an experiment and be patient. Things take time. But if you're treating it with like a mini experiment and, you know, trying different tactics and learning more about the human body and what things affect it in different ways, 
I think it can be a positive and enjoyable experience rather than a negative and grueling, intense um, experience, which I think a lot of people do experience when they experience weight loss. Um, Do you have any closing words? Yeah, I mean, I think two things I want to touch on are, you know, don't focus on the foods that you can't eat. Yes. Focus on being creative with the foods that you can. Yes. There's no foods that are off limit. Just make sure you're staying on track with your goals, you know, or whether that's, you know, making sure your weight's going in the right direction or making sure that you're fitting what you're eating into your calories for the day. Um, And then the other thing I want to touch on is, you know, when I am trying to burn fat and lose weight, one of the main things that I focus on is managing my stress, keeping my cortisol levels down. I mean, for me, things that help me relieve stress are, you know, calling up a, a, a family member or friend and talking with them, being social, going for a walk. Uh, in nature, pretty much just going out in nature and just walking, you know, walking meditation. Um, I just think that if you're, you can do everything right, but if you're stressed out, you're not, your body is not going to do what you want it to. So it's like another big concept is, um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just going to eat chicken and broccoli for every meal or egg whites and oatmeal for breakfast, chicken and broccoli for lunch you know, and salmon and freaking spinach for dinner. And that's, that's, you're going to be missing a lot of nutrients, you know, by, by avoiding too many food groups. Right. Uh, I think that if you want to get your body to do anything, you need to get your body healthy. So once you get your body healthy, you can get it to do whatever you want. And, um, you know, just the big parts about being healthy is just having balance. It's a little bit of strength training, a little bit of stretching, you know, getting lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of healthy fats, things like avocado and olive oil and like almonds and walnuts and things like that. You know, just I think the reality is, is people generally know what's good to eat and what's not good to eat. You know, obviously there are some things that are counterintuitive, but. You know, you just have to be honest with yourself. I see a lot of people lying to themselves and not being honest with themselves. And one way you can be honest with yourself is by tracking your weight every day. That The scale doesn't lie. If You know, you can tell yourself every lie you want, but if your goal is to improve your health, you know, and you want to lose fat, and that's going to, you know, that, and, and that, that is going to be the thing that you can do is, is to, to to have some objective thing because your mind's going to play tricks on you. You know, yes, you want your clothes to fit better. And yes, you want all these other things. Um, so yeah, overall, I think you need to be honest with yourself, you know, eat real food, track your progress. Um, and, and I just think that, you know, maybe part of the reason of why sometimes people don't take care of themselves is they don't really love themselves. Like, Mm -hmm. If you love yourself, you're going to take care of yourself. So it's like, you know, know thyself, love thyself, be thyself. You can't love yourself if you don't know who you are. So it's worth trying to like, you know, figure out who you are and then start to like yourself and love yourself. And then from there, you can take care of yourself. The number one reason why I focus on my health so much is because I care about my body and my health and I want to 
you know, live a long, healthy life. And I just think that a lot of people walk around. I wish I could have people live in my body for a day and they would know what it feels like to have so much energy and to, you know, be calm with the way that you look and the way that you feel. I think if people felt what a healthy person feels, they would be blown away at the quality of life that you have. I have boundless energy to do whatever I want to do. I can, you know, and I'm not tooting my own horn. I just feel like I wish, you know, I think people walk around chronically dehydrated, chronically, you know, uh, void of micronutrients and they have all these micronutrient deficiencies or not getting enough vitamin C and potassium and magnesium and all these different things. They're, they're not getting enough sleep. They're stressed out, overworked. And I think if they felt what a healthy person feels, they would, you know, they would, they would change their life overnight. So, I mean, yeah, just some I, I think that, yeah. that that's a lot of what I do with my coaching. The accountability coaching that I started doing is I, I want you to start thinking about what your ideal future looks like so that you can reverse engineer your current life to get you closer to where it is you want to go. So basically what you said of, you know, having that vision of what does boundless energy look like and feel like you're going to be more motivated to follow suit with food. But and it takes a, a thing I see a lot of people do too is there seems like there's a lot of unintention, unintentional harm going on in the world, right? So people are making poor food choices unintentionally. They might see it as a short-term sacrifice, but they don't really see that long-term detriment by losing the minerals. Um, yeah. And I myself also ate, if it fits your macros, for a very long time, unintentionally realizing that there was a big correlation between the energy I was feeling and the food that I was eating. And now in my body, I recognize the food that I eat fact has a tremendous effect on my energy almost immediate and so now i choose real whole foods but at one time i had i didn't want anything to do with real whole clean food i wanted to fit if it fits your macros and eat oreos and cereal all day long and i was very proud of that and so i do think that there is a graduation of what are your goals is it health and vitality or is it lose weight well it might be lose weight to start but at some point i hope that it's health and vitality I hope yeah. it's energy and excitement eventually, even if it's not currently. I think you should still want to lose weight for other health benefits. But then I think the end game should come to your energy and your well-being as a whole. And yeah. to reverse engineer that to, you know, how why are you picking your groceries? Is it because that's what you saw on TV last night? Or is it because you know that that food provides a certain benefit that's going to give you a certain energy output? Yeah. So there's some strategy involved there. So a lot of what I do with my coaching is showing you that overall purpose, right? Putting purpose intentionally moving in specific areas, intentionally going grocery shopping for the reason of energy, not weight loss necessarily. And intentionally yeah. looking at your life from a big picture standpoint of what kind of attitude do you want to have as you walk through the world? Is it just whatever the world shows up at you, you're going to be pissed off at the postman and pissed off at this person? Or are you trying to be a more gracious, forgiving person because that's how what more you want to see more of in the world, right? So yeah, yeah. digging deeper, going up to surface level, back down to um, kind of out left field. But there, you know, you take, you get out of it what you put into it. However you want to take it, you're going to get out of it. Um, so just be mindful, and I hope people walk with intention towards whatever it is that they're going for. I just want them to know what it is that they want. 
and know that that's yeah. what they want. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then just a little shameless plug here. You know, um, like I said, I like helping people be happier and healthier. And, you know, obviously I, I'm giving out tons of free information and I'm happy to do so. I love educating people and sharing my knowledge and experience with people for no charge at all. But obviously accountability can be one thing that helps people. I do online nutrition coaching for people where I help hold them accountable and, you know, I help them with their improving their health, whether it's weight loss or improving strength or whatever, you know, your goal is. Um, so if you definitely, if you need help, if you want to improve your health and you need some accountability and you want an experienced professional coach, you know, you can reach me, you know, you can send me a message on Facebook, um, or on, on Instagram, or you can email me at bradensoul at gmail.com. Um, you know, it's a hundred dollars a month for online coaching. I do weekly check-ins and, you know, I, I have different approaches for everybody. It's not a cookie cutter approach. We're going to talk about your goals. We're going to find which plan works best for you. And we're going to adapt and adjust as you go along. So if you need help improving your health, whether it's weight loss or wanting to gain muscle or anything in between, um, I can definitely help you. I know Camille definitely has some services that she offers as well. Um, or even if you don't work with me, I just I want to put it out there that you know I want you to take that next step towards improving your health, whether you work with me or somebody else, or just try to do it on your own. I just want to encourage you to take that next step. And if I can help in any way, definitely reach out to me. If you have any questions, reach out to me. And if you do want to work with me, I definitely can can help you you know, make that change, that lasting change and improve your health. Absolutely. Well, hopefully that this information was helpful and both of us are here. We really have your best interest in mind. Neither of us work for a paycheck. We work to help people that want to be helped. So if you are someone who wants help and is seeking that guidance um, or another perspective or someone to hold, help hold you accountable, I am very impartial on who you work with. I don't give a crap if you work with me, if you work with Braden, if you work with someone else. Um, I just want you to find the help that you need or that you're looking for. And I think that Braden and I actually, uh, though we do have some overlap in the services that we offer, both come to the situation from two very different perspectives. And at the end of the day, find someone who your personality jives with. If you need some tough love or if you need to hear it straight, maybe Braden's better to work with. If you want a little bit more woo and a little bit more love and grace and guidance and direction, then I might be a better fit for that. Uh, Brandon's laughing because he knows he's, it would make him feel uncomfortable. No, I'm just kidding. He knows that his feed is a little bit more direct and clear, um, and I see a little bit more gray area um, in these issues. Like I said, I do you know, more of that greater picture, purpose, um, living life intentionally kind of uh, accountability. So if you're looking for a little bit more than that, I'm definitely your gal. Um, but hopefully that this gives you some things to think about and hopefully prompts you to take that next step and to start working towards living a healthier, uh, healthier lifestyle. And if you found this helpful, you know, please share it with your friends. And, you know, we just want to share, you know, positivity with other people. So if you found this helpful, definitely like it and share it. And, uh, you know, John to other people. Yes. All right. Hopefully this was helpful. Thanks guys for listening. Bye.